Well, I have to confess, in 52 years of ministry in the Episcopal Church, this is one Sunday which I find myself truly at a loss for words. Troubled by what I see in the papers and read, what's experienced in just the last few weeks has troubled me to the point where I wonder how can I address God's love of us and me? I wrote a friend, Jen Furby, an email, and she returned this email to me to you from her words. It is definitely hard to keep one's head up, to recognize the darkness that these shootings symbolize. The need not to just keep on fighting in the best sense of that word. My heart also aches at times, and I also struggle with the sadness over the needless deaths and most of all, the young children who are not at all fault, at fault. Do not know, I do not know what you will do with your sermon Sunday. And I'm still not sure. Where do I begin? We're celebrating this day, Memorial Day, Memorial Weekend, which honors all of those who have served in the military, men and women of this country, and many who have died in that service. The memorial is important to address the fact that people still are at war, and I mean today. We are lucky and fortunate that people were willing to sacrifice their lives and do their service so that we might have the freedoms that we enjoy today. And yet it appears to me that the freedoms that we have enjoyed are seemingly distracted or lost by our inability to come together, by our setting up of walls that separate one another, by an accusation that I'm right and you're wrong permeates our culture today with such sickness and such horribleness that we find we believe people that say things that are actually untrue. As just a person, not a priest, but as a person, I wonder what is there to be said? What is there to be done? How do we act in God's love and peace? I don't want to get political, probably will have political overtones. I don't want to get outrageous and vent from my anger, but rather from hopefully my plea to you to help me understand. How in God's name can we lie to one another over and over again and keep ourselves separated? The lie comes from fear, fear that somehow I am wrong, somehow I am 
not enough. And when we fear things to the great core, we lose our ability to reach out and listen and hear and be with one another. I was born and raised in the Buffalo area. I was born at St. Francis Hospital in Buffalo. When I was growing up, I knew that there was racism. It was apparent to me. I felt it in many different ways. And particularly the racism at my school, where those who had much chided and teased and harassed those farmers or those not as fortunate as they. It was white on white. I also understood the racism with blacks. But the shooting in Buffalo hurts me the most. A racist act. Because a person was a different color, somehow they deserve to die. Uvalde, Texas, where everyone can have a gun, it doesn't matter who, and they can carry it wherever they want to. And a young boy buys a rifle that really is equipped for war. And I'm sure that those who are celebrated this day for dying for our country would know as well as I do that these weapons are not necessarily something everyone should have. I remember in school when I decided I would consider hunting. My uncle and my father were hunters. But we had to go through a training class on weaponry. Our high school fortunately had a shooting range in the basement underneath the gym. So I went for the training session. I can tell you what I learned most is to fear the weapon that I was charged to be responsible for. I learned how to clean it. I learned how to load it. I learned how to shoot it. We even had pistols on the range and we learned how to shoot those. My father had a 22 and, and a 410 over and under gauge over our mantle. After taking the class and being aware of all the dangers, and then taking a class in archery with 50 pound pull bows, and learning how dangerous those were, I decided that hunting and I were not friends. Hunting and I were not something that I could do. I loved and respected my uncle who hunted for pheasant often. And he had a dog that was trained, baby, a basset. The only dog that could shake up pheasants out of a field but wasn't seen. He said he saw the brush move but never saw a dog. 
I respected and admired him. And even his weapons in his house were kept under lock and key, were cleaned. The bullets, the ammunition were separated in another part of the house. Locked. To think that a person walks into a school. How many schools has it been? Too many. To think that they walk in with a rifle and shoot people, particularly these young people, children, who are looking to school to advance their life and find hope in the world. The other day, I happened to be at Creekside Cafe having a nice dinner. And there was a table next to us. And about 15 people. And a lot of them were children. And I had a hard time eating my dinner because all I could think of was those children who were killed by another child. I don't know what's going on. I need your help to understand. Why on earth are we supporting the use of military weapons by general people? It doesn't make logical sense to me. It was hard for me even to deal with a 22 and my father would never allow me to use the slide load because I could put 15 in those. But he'd only let me use one at a time. Why on earth are we allowing this to occur? In the gospel today, Jesus, talking to his disciples and praying for them, opening his prayer to God. The passage is considered a priestly prayer because he's praying on behalf of people directly with God and the love and the promotion of faith and the constancy of belief and hope. This should be our message to one another, that Jesus is still praying for us to be one, not separated, not angry at one another, perhaps upset with one another, but able to see past our upset to knowing that we will never, ever love anyone as much as we love that person. I don't understand. I don't know what to think or believe. Our world has gone amok. We need to be responsible. If we are Christians living by faith, we need to come forward, speak the truth, acknowledge God's love that can in fact change the world. It will not eliminate hate, I know that, but it will make a dent. Houston Smith 
wrote a book on world religions. In it, he said, during the Christian early church, they were persecuted at risk for claiming to be Christians, and they would be killed or sent to be hung or in the Colosseum to fight the lions. He comments that in spite of all of the danger, all of the hostility expressed towards these Christians, the Christian church grew and grew and grew. His comment, his historical comment about the Christianity of that time was, it was such a powerful sense of loving one another that people would face death because to be a Christian meant they were in community and in love. It is too bad that we as Christians, diverse, have not garnered that fact in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirit. To love God and to love Jesus Christ so much that we will commit our love to others in spite of our differences. I hope that I have not overstepped my bounds, but I do hope that you all know that God's love for us is primary. If we open our hearts and minds to it, and begin to extend love to others. And it is our baptismal vow to respect every human individual. It is only then we can change others to love, to community, to purpose, and goodwill. My prayer this day is that we take these experiences not as a sense of retreat or denial, but rather as a way of building our strength in our faith to overcome this anger and hatred that we so prevalently see daily. May God bless us all to have hope and to know God's love daily.